Welcome to another episode of the Penny and Pops podcast under the MagicBasketballOnline.com name. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. Hussein Bolt just jogged by to congratulate us on our wonderful podcast. Let's do it. Very strange plethora of topics to go over today. When you get into, you know, we're, we're pretty much towards the end of August right now. Uh, we're a month away from training camp, which is exciting. But now you get kind of the, the, to the dead portion of the uh, off season, and so got some very intriguing topics. Uh, first off, the Magic finally did complete their top twenty-five Magic players of all time Twitter poll list. Mercifully, mercifully, yes, because. Uh, some of the results were pretty intriguing. Uh, we didn't uh, have a podcast last week, so we were able to go from 12 all the way to number one. But after uh, Vince Carter dispatched of, uh, of Daryl Armstrong, Scott Skiles was up next at number 12. And maybe Skiles could have stood a better chance had he not walked away from the team a few months ago. But uh, Skiles ended up at number 12. I actually think this might be a little low, or a little low for him. I think he, you could argue he should be ten or eleven. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are because look, Skiles. He, if you look at the very beginning of history, Skiles actually did not start to begin with for the Magic. He was coming off the bench. Sam Vincent was the starting point guard back in the eighty nine ninety season, but Skiles was just a tough, grinded out kind of guy. You know, his career looked like it fallen off a cliff after. He had his issues at Michigan State. He he was kind of like the bad boy in the NBA for a little bit there. And he gets to Orlando and he puts together quite a great little career, you know, for the Magic in those years where the Magic weren't making the playoffs. I think he was the first player on the Magic in franchise history to win an individual award. Uh, obviously, he has the assist record for one game with 30 assists, so brought notoriety to the team right off the bat and uh, other than that I mean prior to Shaq and Penny joining the franchise he was pretty much our uh, obviously a fan favorite but he was like the face of the franchise one of the first people that we had yeah look I mean yeah I think he won most improved player from in 9091 that was also the year he dropped the 30 assists against the Denver Nuggets where the Nuggets seemed to give up 150 points every night and yeah, as guys like Nick Anderson and Dennis Scott were developing, you know, Skiles was kind of just the guy. And then, of course, once Penny comes on the scene, you know, it was they had the one season together. And then once it looked like it was time for Penny to take over, they they shipped them out. Now, part of the reason Skiles got shipped out though was to bring in Horace Grant, who we, we will talk about a little bit later uh, in regards to this. But Skiles had a good run for the Magic. I just think Vince Carter had a whole bunch of fanboys voting for him, and we're going to get to the uh, controversy here in a little bit. But up next was Dennis Scott. Uh, Vince dispatched of 3D, and 3D finished at number 11. I think Dennis does not belong in the top 10. I think think top 20 for sure, probably top 15. 11 is not a bad spot for him in this regard. I mean, he had the three-point record for a little while in a season, even though obviously the three-point line got shortened. During that 96 season, um, during that time span anyway. And look, the guy, he, he hit, I think it was 11 three-pointers in a game one time. Yep. Um, 
I think that was against the Atlanta Hawks, like the last game of like the 96 season or something ridiculous like that. But, you know, he was known for being a very athletic guy when the Magic drafted him in 1990. And, you know, injuries kicked in his first couple years in the season and he got fatter and... Too many, one too many meals at 3Ds from downtown restaurant and downtown Orlando packed on the pounds. And then obviously uh, had, a, had a great run. And then at the end, uh, had a children's basketball camp. Yeah, and that did not go too well. No. And I mean, him and Shaq were like probably the tightest on the team, which you know I'm sure that helped Dennis in the long term and whatever the long term was. Because I mean, he had a seven year career with the Magic, and like he's hit some big threes throughout his time. He became very one dimensional towards the end, um, even during the finals run in '95. He was just relying on others getting him open looks. Wasn't much of a defender, um, but I think he definitely belongs in the top 15, and 11's a pretty, I'd say, maybe flattering spot for him at that point. So now here's where the controversy comes in with the Magic, because for some reason, Vince Carter slots in at number 10 without there being an actual vote. Um, They just took him out. They literally, they just took him out, uh, because I think Vince started... I think somewhere like 2021 20, or something. He went on like a 10-person like player streak or something, yeah. or like eight, something ridiculous like that. And whoever was running the Magic Twitter poll decided, Vince, you're out, you're done, you slot in at number 10, that's it. And if they probably would have allowed Vince to, to continue, he probably could have won the whole damn thing. Yeah. Because he was taking out guys like by 70 to 30% typically around there, and... It's bullshit because Vince isn't even a top 25 Magic player of all time. No. Um, definitely not a top 20 and certainly not number 10. I mean, he literally played a year and a half with the team. You know, um, when, when I think of yeah. Vince Carter in a Magic jersey, I hate to say it, but I think of Vince Carter laying on the ground holding a body part in a Magic jersey. That's the image that comes into my head. Not any encore exploit that he had in his year and a half here. Yeah, I mean, like, there, there, there's some notable, like, ABC games, you know, he, and then he had the 48 against New Orleans. He had his moments here and there, but to put him in, in the top 20 of this list is just a joke. Um, look, he's, he's a legend out in Daytona Beach. You know, I'm sure the Magic would have loved to have drafted him if, if the opportunity came uh, in the, in the mid-late 90s. And so, you know, when we did get him... He was expected to catapult the team from, you know, just a team that just got to the finals in 09 to okay, we can get to the to the NBA finals in 2010 again and hopefully win it and it just didn't work out once they once they went up against the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, he he fell apart. He shit the bed. Yeah, he 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 just didn't do what he was supposed to do and you know, the Magic as a team haven't recovered since that series, honestly. Yeah. Um, and so hopefully, you know, brighter days are, are coming with that, but Vince should not be number 10. So going back to the actual Twitter polling of fans, uh, there was actually a very interesting matchup. It was Horace Grant against Rashard Lewis, the two best power forwards in team history. There's no argument with that at this point. No. And Rashard actually beat Horace. Uh, Rashard, uh, you know, took the number eight spot. Horace took the number nine spot. I would personally flip them. I value Horace Grant a little bit more than Richard. I mean, but both were two of the biggest free agent signings in the team's history. If you think about it, Horace Grant 
the 95 signing, you know, the Magic had to trade guys like Scott Skiles to clear cap space back when clearing cap cap space was not like a big plan back then. The Magic were one of the teams to, you know, set the stage for how to how, how to build your team, how to make, you know, take your team from, you know, young maybe sneaking into the playoffs to, hey, you're a finals contender now. And and they had to get Horace to sign a one-year contract at a very small sum of money uh, with the agreement that they would then take care of him the next year. So you, I think you're right. That might be, I would say, the biggest free agent signing in the history of the franchise to this point. And, I mean, it's it's interesting just, just for what Horace did because, yeah. look, he's got the look. He's got the goggles. A freaking commercial just came out involving Horace just now. Yeah. So he's still relevant just for his look. But... The man could ball. I mean, the Magic got him when he was 29, 30 years old, and he's a big reason why the Magic made that finals run. The Magic had never won a playoff series before Horace Grant got there. You know, they got swept the year before against Indiana, the Indiana Pacers, and then they get Horace with 22, 23, 24-year-old guys like uh, you know Shaq and Penny around him, and he came up big when it was needed in that Eastern Conference semifinals against the Chicago Bulls. Yep. Came up huge against the Indiana Pacers in a hell, you know, hellacious seven-game series. And then you go beyond that, though. He stuck around when Shaq had left, and then he came, you know, he went to the Lakers and won, and won, uh, you know, his a ring or two there, you know, with Shaq and Kobe over there. And then Horace comes back again the second time around. Um, didn't go so well with uh, no. Doc Rivers in that regard, but second tour of duty, not not so great, but. Great guy, great player. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. He, he's technically also one of the leaders of the mutiny that got Brian Hill fired in '97. And but he, he well, brought, shit, I wouldn't want to play for Brian Hill either. You know, a lot of people didn't apparently. I um, I think Horace Grant and Rashard Lewis is the closest matchup that you can possibly have. And I go back and forth on it myself a lot of the time. But I think you're right. Rashard had a lot of great moments. But maybe it was just a function of the era, a sign of the times. But uh, I think Horace Grant wins the day. He had the goggles. He, you know, you, you see everyone around Orlando with blue goggles. You got goggles on the on the buildings downtown. On the water tank. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I think that everyone was just so excited. And maybe it's a little bit of romanticizing the past. But I think you give a slight edge to Horace. And, I mean, look, Horace is part of the greatest play in Magic history, the steal, where Nick Anderson steals the ball, gets it to Penny Hardaway, Penny it gets it to Horace Grant for the dunk. Um, you know, there's the there's the moment where he gets lifted up on his shoulders when they beat the Bulls. Yeah. Um, I think there's the moment where him and Shaq, or maybe it was, it was Dennis and Shaq, lift Brian Hill up after they beat the Pacers, but... Um, you know, and to, to Richard's credit, like the Magic signed him to a like, $120 million contract. Um, people were saying the Magic weren't bidding against anyone. I call bullshit. They were bidding, yeah. you know, they were going up against like Houston and like the Wizards, I think, at the time. Um, and look, that signing put took the Magic from kind of a middling team to oh wow, they could actually compete for the for the championship. And if we don't have Rashard Lewis on the roster, we don't go to the finals. That's point blank. Yeah, no, it is. And look, Rashard, to his credit, he had to go from being a small forward to a power forward. And it's kind of a prelude to what you see now, where you have guys of his size, 6'9", 6'10", 
banging around down there in the power forward position. And he actually had to deal against grown-ass men that were bigger than him. And that was a time where he was essentially one of the first stretch fours. So you're right. He made a huge sacrifice. Uh, you know, he used to do a lot of work in the paint where he could post up smaller, uh, you know, three men and score a lot of his points on the block. But any time that you ever hear a Stan Van Gundy interview, any time that he's ever talked about the players that he's coached and coaching clinics that I've been to, uh, he talks about J.J. Redick. Yeah. But he always talks about Richard Lewis being the consummate professional, and any guy that's ever played with him always says that he's one of the most selfless teammates they've ever had, too. So that goes a long way. And, I mean, he's part of the reason why the Magic were able to lift, like, the eight-year Detroit Pistons curse. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he hit a, quite a few clutch shots, including, you know, game one against the Cavaliers, game four against the Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I still, you know, I'm with you. I still give Horace the, the nod but it's close. overall, but it's very close. Like, I, I yeah. won't, like, hate on you if you pick Richard. It's, it's that tight. So, um, Richard slotted in at number eight. And then um, next came up Jameer Nelson. So, Jameer Nelson slides in at number seven. And he had beaten Rashard Lewis, uh, you know, to put Rashard Lewis at number eight. So Jameer ends up actually getting beat by Nick Anderson. Yeah. Um, Jameer at number seven, I actually wouldn't put um, Mighty Might or Mighty Mouse in the top ten. Um, I, I would. I, I put him. I put him behind Daryl, and I put him behind Scott Skiles. I do. Um, this is where I'm probably in the minority, just because look, Jameer had a very long tenure. He played for the, with the team for a decade, um, and he went. You know, his story is just interesting because he goes from this dominant, you know, college team at St. Joe's with Delonte West, um, and then he, he the Magic end up trading for him late in the first round, and he goes from being you know the backup to Steve Francis to getting the starting job, and then having to fight off guys like Carlos Arroyo, Keon Dueling over the years to hold on to it. Um, there's the controversy, of course, of he has that amazing regular season or like the first, you know, 40, 50 games of a regular season against, you know, fantastic competition in 08, 09. He gets to the name to the all-star team. Eric Dampier helps fuck up the shoulder, potentially ruins the magic season. And then of course, Rafer Alston gets picked up late on the trade deadline. The magic make that finals run and kind of Jameer's left kind of in the dust, but he kind of makes up for it in 2010, and then he shows a few more stronger years as, as Dwight either was getting was getting injured or departed entirely. And so I think Jameer at seven is high just because he's had his moments. I mean, he, he, he did a, what, a hell of a job being a 5'10 guy basically with his body, yeah. with what he had to do against other guards and just size in general. But I wouldn't put him that high. But I can see why Magic fans love him. On the you know the year when Allen Iverson gets inducted to the Hall of Fame, I think it's appropriate to talk about being a man that size and playing in the NBA. Anytime that you're ever around Jameer Nelson, you always you know you, we're both taller than him. We're both uh, uh, longer than him. Yeah. And to think about the kinds of shots that he puts in uh, around the basket in the paint through the trees, it's it's really incredible when you think about that kind of thing. Uh, I agree. I think he's a little too high on this list. Um, but it's an interesting debate. I would put him a little bit ahead of Scott Skiles due to his longevity. Okay. And I, I think I would put him a hair above Daryl Armstrong. Ooh, okay. Uh, probably due to the team success that he that we had while he was here compared to Daryl's tenure. But that And that one's close, too. Talk about, you know, 
one of the best pure point guard debates between Jameer and Daryl Armstrong. Yeah. We'll leave it where it is. That's fine. Um, so coming in at number six. So this is where uh, Hito Turkoglu went up against Nick Anderson, and Nick lost. Yeah, uh, Nick I, ended up at number six. You people got to let those free throws go and stop holding the grudge, because I love Hito, but uh, Nick Anderson is the... He is the Orlando Magic. He is. He's yeah. Mr. Magic. I yeah. mean, he doesn't get that nickname thrown around nearly enough, but he right. really is Mr. Magic. Yeah. He's played the most games for the team in yeah. its history. He's the team's number one draft pick. He bought his own personalized Orlando Magic license plate for his car. He dressed up in his Magic gear with his wife on one Halloween when we found him on Church Street. <laughs> I, as a quick aside, and I hate to do it, but I gotta do it. Okay. So, uh, you, you might remember Deshaun Stevenson. He played for the Orlando Magic. Of course, yeah. yes. Uh, so uh, there's photos on the internet that circulated of him shopping in a in a Publix wearing a Deshaun Stevenson jersey. This was like a year and a Nick half did? ago. Nick was uh, wearing no, it. Deshaun oh, Stevenson Deshaun was wearing his wearing own, jersey. His own yeah, jersey. Okay, yeah, yeah. I remember I, this. I have sources everywhere, uh, and it just so happens that Deshaun Stevenson has a son playing pee wee football. Oh, really? They okay. were out in Kissimmee last Saturday, and Deshaun Stevenson was watching his youth. Son play football uh-huh. wearing a Deshaun Stevenson jersey to the football game in the stands <laughs> with the crowd. Of course. Um, I feel like if you're Deshaun Stevenson, <laughs> you're taking a bit of a gamble that people know that you're Deshaun Stevenson because I feel like what I would do, and I wouldn't, but you know, I feel like what somebody would do is go over and go, Why are you wearing a Deshaun Stevenson jersey? He sucks. <laughs> oh, shit. And then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a there's a certain level of narcissism involved in wearing your own NBA and and it wasn't an NBA locker room issued jersey. It was a Deshaun rack. Stevenson replica jersey. Wow. Whoa. Wow. Right. All right. So that was my quick aside. I had to okay. get that in. It's good aside. Yeah. Um, Nick does wonderful work in the community with Bo Outlaw. Nick's been doing it for a long time since yep. he retired and came back. I mean, yep. Look, does wonderful ambassador work, does less than wonderful television work. And, and and people forget how great Nick was as one of the scoring options to begin with. Before Shaq got there, even during Shaq's rookie year, you know, people remember Shaq bringing down the rim, you know, against uh, bringing down the whole goal against the Nets back in his rookie season. Well, Nick Anderson dropped 50 points that night. Yeah. If you look at how stacked the East was with good guards back then. Great point. You look at Nick Anderson, he had back-to-back season where he averaged 19.9 points per game. And In any other era, he makes an all-star team at least once. Yeah. And you look like a guy like Jamal Mashburn, who was an all-star. Like Nick Anderson had a better career than Jamal Mashburn. He was a better player than him. Yeah, like Nick, and, and it just sucks that he's known mostly for those free throws in 95. Yeah. I mean, after that, psychologically, he was very, very off. I mean, I can remember, you know, he being clutch son of a bitch that he is hitting the that big three against the lakers when Shaq came back for his first game yeah. in a laker jersey you know he wins the game with a completely crazy you know roster of guys around him at the time because penny was out for that game i believe and you know nick has so many memories that unfortunately have been lost to lack of video just lack yeah. of just repeated highlight videos or whatnot but the man could score the guy was a legitimately great first or second scoring option during the bad years. He was an awesome defender, you know, back when Penny and Shaq were ascending. 
Um, he had no problem being like the fourth or fifth best scorer on the floor. He didn't care because he was going to get his moments on the offensive end, but at the same time, you know, he could post you up. He he went from a guy who didn't have a three-point shot to shooting the ball pretty yeah. well from deep. Yeah, reliable. He has the greatest play in Magic history as his own, stealing the ball from Michael Jordan in 95. And as we talked about several times, he shouldn't have been on the line anyway. They didn't foul him. Brian Shaw should have been on the line. But to go cycle, uh, psychoanalyst real quick, yeah. aside from redemption, everybody loves a redemption story. But I think the other thing that people generally like in their athletes, and especially in a, in a town like Orlando where until recently it's a one-sport city, you really connect with the yeah. team, uh, isn't there something kind of human about about having a flaw, you know, where he he has this terrible thing that happens to him and he can't recover and he goes to see the the sports psychologist and he's working to get through it. Yeah. If I sat there on the free throw line in that situation and I bricked four in a row, it, I'd never make a free throw again the rest of my life. Yeah. And, and I think that's something that's relatable. And he's look, a and, real person. And look, his career averages did drop yeah. after that. But, I mean, he stuck it out. He stuck around even towards the end when the Magic were looking to rebuild. He wanted to stick around, but it just it just didn't work out. And even when the Magic kind of screwed him over, not only with the trade to Sacramento, but also just in terms of after his retirement where people are going, why don't you bring him back? And he was always very uh, politically correct yeah. about it and very professional about yeah. it. And luckily, he's back home and, and doing great things for the organization and the community. Yeah, and it should be higher than six. It should be higher. He should, he should be fifth. Yeah. He should be fifth. The guy who's in fifth, Hito Turkoglu, should be sixth. He yeah. went up against Tracy McGrady. McGrady beat Hito. Yeah. Hito, I think, is the greatest small forward in Magic Team history just because McGrady's a shooting guard. Penny was a point guard. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. I think Hito is the greatest uh, small forward in in, in Magic history. Yep. Nick was a shooting guard in his prime, so you know Hito at five, a little high. He should be six. Um, I'm very fully confident about that. And look, Hito, when the Magic got him, when you know guys like Jameer and and Dwight were just getting into like their second, third years in in, in the league, um, you know Hito was there to go from a guy who no one really thought he could do more than being a support guy for the for teams like the Kings or the Spurs to, you know, he could be the leading option at the end of the game. He could be the go-to guy. He could be the guy who you give him the ball at the top of the key, set a good screen for him, and he'll get to the hole or he'll kick it out. And son of a bitch has some clutch shots in yeah. his career. Let's put it that way. I think, was it his first game that he hit the, the game winner against Seattle over Richard Lewis? Yeah. That was his first game, the fadeaway corner three-pointer ridiculous shot um i mean he's got the game winner against the celtics in that one regular season that's my most viewed youtube video of all time yeah where i'm calling him a son of a bitch and all the turkish followers are like why you call him son of a bitch and it's just like yeah you know, it's a it, term of endearment yes very yes yeah. the most positive way of using that that term but uh and that's one of those things that the magic kind of lucked into we talked about they sign him to the five-year mid-level exception deal only after Donald foil turns the team down which was the greatest walk away for right. in team so history right we there get this gem of a guy who you know first of all he's a veteran presence under brian hill as a small forward and then kind of evolves shines into something understand and turns into this point forward that nobody really knew. i mean they you know they, maybe the skills were there, but nobody thought that he could evolve into that type of player. And he's one of those guys that I think every every team needs 
it's not so much a rational confidence as just he just doesn't give a shit. Yeah, and if he if the shot's there, he's gonna pull it. If the alley oop's there, he's gonna throw it. And if it doesn't work out, he'll eat his slice of pizza. He'll have a beer and a cigar at the rock room, and he'll show corner. up again the next night and try it again. Yeah, um, yeah. He he does the man both on and off the court. Yeah. I mean, he's got. You mentioned the inbound passes. He's got the alley oop to Dwight Howard for the game winning slam over the Spurs and Tim Duncan, and probably one of the more underrated Magic games in regular season team history. Yeah. Um, he's got you know countless other alley oop attempts. One of them was to like Grant Hill in Portland, I think, was yep. one of them, yep. and. You know he's he's got all these clutch shots. He hit the big three against the Sixers to win Game Four in the 2009 first round to send the series back to Orlando at two two. He beats the Celtics basically on his own in Game Seven of the next series. Um, you know, and that was oh and that was oh eight oh nine. His best year was oh seven oh eight. Yeah, Hedo should have probably made the All Star team that year. Pretty much every game that season where it was uh, clutch time and he had the opportunity to win or tie, he won or tie every single game. Yeah, it was like a three to one ratio. Yeah. Like he did not fuck up yeah. often, and even even as he started, I mean, his decline pretty much began during that oh eight oh nine period where it's like he's deferring to Richard. Dwight's taking up more of the point scoring load and Hito's there being the third guy and look again game on the line you want to get him the ball and just clear the fuck out of the way and look Hito at five a little high should be six but he is the best small forward in team history uh so McGrady beat him and then it was Tracy McGrady against Dwight Howard yeah the poll didn't quite go the way I thought it would go. Uh, well, actually, it did go the way I, I thought it would go because McGrady ended up slotting in at number four. Dwight beat him. Yeah. Um, I love McGrady. You know I'm a Tracy McGrady apologist, but there's no debate there. Dwight's certainly better than McGrady. Yeah, and actually for me, I slot McGrady at four. Um, we'll talk about who the other shooting, who the other guard is that you can kind of yeah. flip-flop a little bit there. But yeah. um, then Dwight went up against – well, first off, with McGrady, look, that summer of 2000, it easily could have been Tim Duncan, Grant Hill, and Tracy McGrady. And initially, McGrady was not even in the picture. It was Grant Hill, Eddie Jones, maybe we'll get Tim Duncan too. And it worked out that Jones ends up in Miami. That didn't work out for them too well. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the Magic do the trades that were needed to be traded, done. And unfortunately... You know, or maybe fortunately, depending on how you view it, but the Magic decided when it was between Bo Outlaw and Ben Wallace that Ben Wallace was going to go to Detroit. Whoops. And look, in the long term, that didn't quite work out. But we love Bo. Bo's a great guy. Yeah. Um, his his tenure was prolonged because of that. Uh, but McGrady, from game one, you knew this was not like a number two guy. He could be the fucking guy. Um, as Grant Hill's like hobbling along or not playing at all during his four-year time span in Orlando. And those first three years are just phenomenal. And, I mean, you can argue he had the best three-year run out of any Magic player in history, even the best four-year run. If you look at yeah. Shaq, you look at Dwight. I mean, McGrady was, was twice the leading scorer in the NBA as a Magic man. I think Shaq did it twice as well. Um but McGrady, just as just a star who could light it up on any night, depending on how he was feeling, he could easily score 40 with like one hand behind his back. Um, he took bad supporting casts where 
you know, his best player was Daryl Armstrong. And his second best player was Pat Garrity. It seemed like half the time. Yeah. You know, and then obviously when Grant Hill played, he did all right, but it it wasn't how what the front office had in mind. And you know, if he would just shut the fuck up during those first round series well, losses, I'm going to stop you right okay. there. But I, I guess it's a prerequisite if you're a franchise player and you're going to depart from the Magic, you have to do it on bad terms. But other than that. Uh, I think you're right. The thing that made McGrady so special is that you never something was going to happen in every game, and you didn't know what was going to happen, but you knew you wanted to see it. Yeah. And and it was night in and night out, and whether it's an off the backboard dunk, whether it's punting a ball into the second you know tier of the Amway Arena, I was at that game. Whatever whatever it was, you knew something was going to happen, uh, uh, and you were just excited to watch the game. Yeah, I mean, even from simple stuff like him throwing the ball off the backboard to himself. No one else did that in an NBA game, and he did it several times. You know, one of them being at All-Star Weekend. You know, I remember Bill Walton going apeshit at the time. And I was at his 62-point game, yep. even though injuries had freaking killed him at that point. Um, but, I mean, he's going to be known for not being able to get the magic out of the first round. He's going to be known for not being able to get teams out of the first round, period, pretty much. Um, just because, look, the best chance was obviously 0-2-0-3 against a, a Detroit Pistons team that little, you know, little did we know would actually make it to the finals and win the championship the next year. And the Magic were up 3-1 against them, and they just could not get it done. Um, you know, again, part of that's a supporting cast because he had Drew Gooden, he had Gordon Girachek, um, and you know, other, and that that's pretty much it. When you've got to rely on guys like Jacques Vaughn and Sean Kemp to come through, I feel like I've got to stand for Tracy McGrady a little bit here. There was a time when the two best players in the NBA were Kobe Bryant and Tracy McGrady. Yeah, and that's, I that's and indisputable. I, and my homerism put McGrady and number McGrady one. McGrady was okay. So if we're gonna penalize McGrady for not getting out of the first round with a with a really dumpy supporting cast, yeah. Then you you can't also why why don't you give him credit for dragging that supporting cast into the playoffs? And you look at every year where Kobe was the only alpha on his team with no Shaq or whatever, they never made the playoffs. Yeah, uh-huh. and it's not like the West was dominant no. in those early years either. So uh, I think you've got to give him proper credit for putting everyone on his back and literally breaking his back for the organization for the four years he was here yeah and and look he he kind of he, look he gets he, he gets discredited too for i guess not working out nearly like he should have a lot of it was just right. all natural ability which that's kind of that's greatness right there too in that regard but if you look at all those first round series to begin with if he he, he just says some bad stuff he just talks way too much crap and it ended up biting him in the ass Every single time against the Bucks, against Baron Davis's, you know, Hornets, um, you know, against the Pistons eventually, um, even though he pretty much got misquoted in that. Um, and look, he's he should be number four all time. I think that's a, the proper spot for him. You can argue between him, him and Penny Hardaway. I'd put him three. Yeah, you'd that's put fine. him four. I put him four. That's, that's fine. All right. Um, but still, one of my favorite things wasn't didn't even necessarily have to do with the game. It always had to do with how enthusiastic Paul Porter was to introduce him. I have my friend, this little bobblehead, this little talking bobblehead. That, is this uh, the first guest appearance that we have on the podcast? This is the first guest appearance, and somehow the batteries still work on this. I've not replaced the batteries on this. Um, we have this a Tracy was McGrady bobblehead 
in studio. Um, even though it doesn't really look like him, it does look like a generic African American. Um, but it's Office Depot and Bright House Network did a good job as far as yeah, was it oh three oh four? It had to been oh four when we were bad. Yeah. So, yep. but uh, here's the Paul Porter intro for you. And I would always get goosebumps when I hear when I heard that all the time. Yeah. And I think I'd like to think Paul Porter helped in letting McGrady go off at certain times as well. I think that was a great year. Uh, Which not, one uh, for like that that, that, oh, that era? Era, yeah, yeah. You got Ludacris like with the move, move bitch, bitch get out the way. You got Nelly with the I am number one song. Yeah. Some good songs. And the the atmosphere in the arena in those times. Uh, obviously, we both still remember. Yeah, and I mean, like, you and I, this was when our friendship had begun, basically, towards the end, that shitty 03-04 season. This is where you know we know a lot of Magic Basketball, because we had to endure the vast majority of those home games. We were at those home games in 03-04. Yeah, we so. were the only ones. So. Yeah, and, you know, look, and I, I do give McGrady way too much crap, but I, he did a hell of a job for what was given to him, and... I'm glad that he's been able to come back to the team here and now of late, um, here and there. And I still put him behind Penny, though. So, <laughs> um, anyway, so Dwight beat him. Yeah. And then it was Dwight versus Penny. Now, this is where the recency bias comes into effect. Because yes. as great as Penny was, uh, certainly you would put Dwight's accomplishments above with the team his. above Penny. Yes. Yeah. So, Dwight ended up slotting in at number three. Look, Number one draft pick in 2004, when everyone thought it should have been a Mecca Okafer, the Magic went on a limb. John Weisbrod went on a limb, um, fell in love with Dwight's workout, and saw that Mecca Okafer was good, but how much more could he improve on what he was in college? And uh, it worked out for for the team for seven of the eight years that Dwight stuck around. And look, I'd I love me some Penny, but Dwight obviously has the better tenure between him and Penny. Um, he has those Defensive Player of the Year uh, award victories. He probably should have been MVP in 2011. You know, you and I got to witness firsthand a lot of just his growing from being, you know, next to behind Kelvin Cato to him, you know, taking over and Brian Hill's kind of trusting him, but then really flourishing under Stan Van Gundy. And he has so many just phenomenal point rebound games, so many block shots, so many ridiculous dunks. You know he's the only Magic man to win the dunk contest, um, even though Aaron, Aaron Gordon got screwed over. But officially, and Dwight probably should have won it twice anyway. Yeah, because he was too nice and let Nate Robinson get twelve yeah. million attempts to dunk over him and around him and and, and whatnot. But um, you know the way it ended, obviously in twenty twelve, and really just that whole lockout year was was rough. Brutal. And it takes it. It's what's obviously the freshest in most people's minds. But look, Dwight is the leader of the greatest team win-wise in Magic history because the 95 finals team got swept. The Magic, at least in 09, won a game against the Lakers. And so technically, in that regard, that's the best team in Magic history. Dwight's obviously the big reason why the Magic get there, even though, obviously, late in ball games, it was tough to get him the ball, and this is where the hack of Dwight comes in. And, you know, it, it hurts him in that regard, but... He did so much just protecting the paint, and we'll see how this Magic team does now that they actually have some paint, you know, defensive paint presence. How that's just going to make the whole team better, and you know, Dwight should be, I think, number one. But we will, uh, you know, we'll leave that up to debate, and we'll we'll go through on that. I don't know what your thoughts are on Dwight. 
I, I think I just echo everything that you have to say, unfortunately. Um, as, as you get further and further away, I think he'll come to realize, if he hasn't already, that he had a really good thing going here. Um, and not just the, the city and the city's love for Dwight and the fact that he could basically do whatever he wanted, but, and not just Stan and the fact that he was a tremendous coach, but the teammates and the relationships and the support staff. You look at like the, the time that he was here and flourishing. We had Joe Rogowski as the, as the trainer. Yeah. And now Joe Rogowski's like the head of the NBPA. And, <laughs> you know, our assistant coaching staff has gone on to great head coaching success in the NBA and Steve Clifford. And I think that uh, he's, the, he's the figurehead of that time. You know, without him, everything revolves around him and I think even more so than 95 and 96, those maybe last, the you know, the middle three years of Dwight are the best era in the franchise's history, and that's attributable to Dwight Howard. Yeah, and look, Shaq is the guy that, and we'll talk to him here, about him in a second here, but Shaq's the guy that put the team on the sports map when he was drafted in 92. Dwight's the guy that actually kept the magic in Orlando and got the, 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 the city to put up the money to actually build that new Amway Center, and we can't, we, we just can't, you know, not, you know, you just can't ignore that just because those threats of Louisville, Kansas City, uh, I think I'm missing another team that were trying to get the magic. Those were real. Those threats were looming. Um, it it took a lot of just probing from Magic fans and just sports fans in general to to get the city and the Orange County to to pony up the money and. You know, we can have a debate on. Look, you know, you're you're the basketball organization. You buy the stadium, not the city. But you know, the reason why that ended up happening without there not being a long drama over it was because the Magic were getting better. The Magic were becoming a contender, and a big reason of that is Dwight Howard. The Magic had a star in Dwight Howard, and you know, he he kind of proved. He he really really did prove that you could be a star in a somewhat smaller market. Um, whereas even though Shaq and Penny kind of transcended how, how marketing worked, how it, you know, advertising imaging worked or whatnot, Dwight actually made it legit. And it's, it's interesting now that, look, I, I personally don't want him to ever win an NBA championship in a jersey. Not in a, you know, that's not you know, a pinstriped one. And he's with the Atlanta Hawks now, so now we get to see him four times a year in the Southeast Division. But he's going, you know, when he retires... He's going to say that he screwed up in leaving. Yeah. He, he's going to say that because his time elsewhere with the Lakers, with the Rockets, has been a nightmare. And But still, none of that should take away his eight-year tenure with the Magic. It's I think he should be number one, but he should definitely be higher than three. Penny shouldn't be above him. Yeah. Speaking of Penny, it's Penny versus Shaq. Penny lost. Penny went number two. Shaq yeah. went number one. I think a lot of that has to do with the ESPN 30 for 30 a little bit there. Part of that, too, is people still hate Dwight. Um, and I'm personally happy that Penny's number two on the poll, but right. I would personally slot him three. Look, 92, the Magic gets Shaq. 93, the Magic went, you know, made the playoff, or you know, the Magic missed the playoffs barely in 93. They had the worst odds of getting the number one pick in that 93 draft lottery. Pat Williams does his Magic. He gets the one out of 66 balls. And. You know, the Magic win the number one pick. They end up picking Chris Webber knowing that they wanted Penny Hardaway. And 
they do that huge trade with Golden State where I think Pat Williams asked for like five or six first round picks from Don Nelson and the Warriors. He gets three and you know the rest is history as far as just Penny and Shaq being this dynamic duo and the the wonder that is those two, you know, goes just beyond normal NBA games. You see them in blue chips, you just see them off the court. Um, you know, Penny is almost more known about you know, with in regards to Little Penny and Chris Rock than sometimes being a basketball player. Uh, you know, when Nike bought into Penny, you have all those awesome, phenomenal commercials with Tyra Banks and, and like the Super Bowl parties with Tiger Woods. Little did we know Tiger Woods would fall off the rail about a few years later after that. But um, Penny is the reason why I love the NBA. Penny is the reason why I love the Magic. He is my all-time favorite Magic player of all time. And when people, when I get in talks about Penny, I get really passionate, as you can tell. Yeah. Uh, I can't top anything that you've said about Penny, and I'll let you have your moment. So we'll just we'll slide over to Shaq. <laughs> no, and come on. If I you think, want, if you want to talk bad about no, it, come on. Because no. look, I, so I look. Yeah. Uh, all, all uh, first team All NBA. Uh, he was basically the second coming of Magic Johnson. Yeah, and uh, he was known as the as the as the guy to replace Michael Jordan. He, right. he was the guy. Yeah, and, and that's one of those things where again, maybe if he comes along a few years later, and you know, doctors figure out how to do microfracture surgery correctly and stuff like that, that, you know, maybe things play out a little different or, you know, maybe if there were the P3 training today, he could get the body alignment together and not break down like he did towards the end of his run in Orlando and then throughout the rest of his career. Uh, I think Penny and Shaq uh, have some similar qualities in terms of, you know, look, I'm not Neil deGrasse Tyson, so I don't know (laughs) if this is accurate, but I'm going to say... Uh, kind of like a supernova, you know, where they burn so bright for such a short period of time, and then they're gone. Yeah, um, and in, and in yeah. Shaq's case, literally gone, just not here. Yeah, and look, I mean, yeah, literally, if Penny has his leg injuries two, three years later, he actually has a pretty decent long career. His prime lasts a lot longer than what it did. Um, I always remember him for the 97 uh, series against the Heat where he put up back-to-back 40-point-plus games. Um, even at the end where he's going up against a young Kobe Bryant, like Penny held his own for the most part. And, you know, it's it, it just sucks that uh, how his decline went. And, you know, I, I'm going to mention he had that interview with Orlando Magic Radio and Dante Marcatelli and Dennis Newman. And, you know, Penny is a Magic fan. He is. It's crazy no matter... How bad like the media shat on him, how f- some Magic fans shat on him. He's loyal. He's a loyal guy, and that makes me love him even more. And, you know, he, he hopefully he'll keep coming back to Magic games here and there more often than he, than he has. You know, it's great that he got into, you know, middle school coaching, high school coaching. Maybe he'll go to college in the pros later. Um, kids love him. The community of Memphis loves him. And he's just an awesome guy who, unfortunately, just stuff didn't work out for him and it just sucks and he and I'm glad he's listed number two I'd list him number three you would list him number four behind McGrady that's fine um but Penny Penny is a is just a phenomenal person and a phenomenal player in my mind as far as history goes and you know when you see guys like LeBron James Amari Stoudemire talk about how much Penny inspired them and whatnot and 
it's great because again he didn't have the prime that he should have but he has a long enough lasting impact that people won't forget him and um you know you look at number one Shaq for me you can flip-flop Shaq or Dwight I side with Dwight just because Shaq's tenure was only four years but what a hell of a four years it was um there's not really much more I need to really add to it just because you know the guy literally put Orlando on the sports map and you know the, the those mid 90 magic teams were literally like a rock star band going around t- towns and literally fans women galore were waiting on them <laughs> to get to hotels and you know it, it it just sucks the way it did had the had the ownership had ownership had the Voss family not lowballed him to begin with he probably would have been here longer um maybe he, maybe know. he I wanted like to bolt maybe he wanted to bolt LA maybe he wanted to bolt for LA we know his his scumbag uh, you know uh, agent um Leonard <laughs> Armado wanted to yeah. have him go to LA even though he denies it but um you know look if if he didn't get lowballed initially and then only to see guys like Alonzo Mourning and Juwan Howard get over 100 million dollar offers it probably would have played out differently. It and certainly didn't help, but it's also a convenient excuse. It is. And uh, I, look, I, you're right. Shaq basically was he. You had Michael Jordan, yeah. and then you had Shaquille O'Neal, and to be such a new franchise and to get gifted that opportunity, um, I don't think we'll ever see anything like that in sports again. Yeah, it's it's tough to find a guy that size who will be just that great athletically, just that that character, that presence too. Um, it's it just sucks that it, we only had him for four years, and I never got to see him play a game in a Magic jersey in person. I never got to. Uh-oh. I only got to see him a lot, you know, on television. So. I think it's fine. We can go back and forth. I think we agree that it's it's neck and neck between Dwight and Shaq. I I would give Shaq the edge just because, like I said, uh, it was a shorter tenure, but the impact was very profound, uh, prominent. It took until the end of the poll for the Magic fans to finally get it right on Twitter. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, they got. I think. Yeah, I mean, look, like I said, I got no complaints between Shaq or Dwight. You can flip-flop them just like you can flip-flop Burchard and and Horace. And we'll leave it at that. Um, as on a whole, yep. did not like the poll. <laughs> yeah, would, it, would advise them to not do it again? Um, hopefully, uh, maybe we'll, I'll do some type of list in the future. But uh, anyway, we ate up a lot of time on that. Um, yeah. So we're going to go really fast through some of the other topics. Uh, Mario Hazonia in Croatia, their run at the Olympics ended. Um, It ended in the the quarterfinals where they narrowly got beat by Serbia. Mario had 16 points. He also had 16 points uh, earlier during the group stage. And his first free throws came in like the final minute of that game where he had to go six for six. And he kept prolonging that game and... He, he they almost got it done but they they fell to a team in Serbia that made it to the gold medal game so no shame in that that team is going to you know that Croatia team is going to be even better as the years progress they'll probably be a medal contender for Eurobasket next year um, I think I predicted a couple podcasts ago that Hazonia would average eight to nine points per game he did that he averaged eight I wanted him to shoot the ball really well. He shot it amazingly. He shot 50 and 40% somewhere around there. Yep. Um, and I think he, he did well considering Boyan Bogdanovic and Dario Saric were the one-two guys. Uh, I don't know how much of Mario and Croatia you saw, Penny, but I thought he had a pretty good tournament. It's definitely his best tournament 
you know, in comparison to you know last year's World Cup and his first Eurobasket two years ago. Definitely constricted and restricted by his coaching staff and teammates in that kind of setting, but I think in his limited opportunity, he took advantage. And uh, I'm looking forward to him continuing to evolve and take that into his sophomore season because we, we really need him to be an impact player. Um, as we anticipated, the 2017 NBA All-Star Weekend will be in New Orleans. Yep. Um, you know, people were hoping that the Orlando would get it. We're not ready for it. Um, I don't know. Should I should I apply for NBO credentials for for All Star Weekend? Well, one, yeah, we might as well. I mean, I'm assuming we're gonna have some magic representation there. If not, like dunk contest, like I think someone's gonna at least someone might make the, you know the All Star game. So we'll we'll see. We'll we'll debate that at a later date. But you know, the last time you and I were in New Orleans. We got to see, I think it was Daniel Orton's first game in a Magic jersey. Um, the Magic got annihilated by Ouch. New Orleans. Um, you know, that was that was a fun trip. There's some fun stuff you can do in New Orleans, and it doesn't even have to revolve again around like Bourbon Street or whatnot. Um, we needed every single dollar a beat of beer that night to get through the end of that game that the Magic lost by like 30. Yeah, I don't I don't think uh, they'll have dollar a beat a night during that no. weekend at all. No. Um, I did love Harris Casino. I love playing blackjack and them giving me free Bud Lights galore like the whole time I sat there. Um, I love the seafood jambalaya pizza. Great, great did, spot. Um I'm in the minority on this as well, but uh, I'm not a beignet guy. See, this is one of those things where not only do NBA and Magic fans start to question your judgment, but <laughs> I start to question our friendship. Come on, man. So- it's, it's dough. It's and fried and dough. No, it's dough, it's man. It's sugar and fried dough. How can you go wrong? And you're sitting out on a patio, and you got live music. <laughs> oh, my God. If we go back, we're going back to Cafe Du Monde and we're trying it again because maybe your palate will have evolved. Maybe. I, I don't know. I just don't like eating something that I can choke on. <laughs> That's the thing. There's so much freaking like sugar and flour on that guy. I will thing. say that uh, you can't go there and expect <clears throat> to leave with uh, clean clothes because you're going to get sugar everywhere. But yeah. in my opinion, uh, if you haven't done it, you got to go do it at least once. And it's fried dough with sugar. How can you not like it? Um, well, I didn't. So anyway, um, you did like the bad absinthe, though. So anyway, oh, yeah. uh, and you were in the minority on that. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the weather's like during that because it's kind of hit or miss. It's either going to yeah. be like a decent 60 degrees or you're going to be freezing your ass off. And when we went... There were some cold nights there. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize it was that cold, and then I forgot. Oh yeah, New Orleans is below sea level. I should probably know this. But um, look, I think Orlando again should probably look at 2019, 2020, 2021 for their All Star Weekend, and I'm I'm glad that they didn't get it this time. Um, moving on, I kind of already mentioned the Penny Hardaway radio interview with Dante Dante Marcatelli and uh, Dennis Newman. They talked about the '96 Olympics, even though um, they carefully neglected Shaq's involvement during that um it's and then they also kind of talk about obviously or they didn't talk about the the mutiny obviously just because it's Orlando Magic Radio they're not going to do that but that was where again Penny had the quote I am Orlando Orlando made me and for him to say that that just that that my my heart loves it so (laughs) um I'm gonna move on from that I mean did you listen to the Bill Simmons, J.J. Reddick podcast, the one that Reddick hosted? Yeah. Um, Boston Bill at it, I guess, because he has a big heart on for Victor Oladipo. I, and maybe he just didn't watch Magic He probably didn't watch I Magic think Games. The interesting thing about that interview 
is that Simmons is spouting off about how Oklahoma City is going to be great because uh, Westbrook's going to be on a tear, which is true, and because he thinks Oladipo's ready to be a second banana on a winning team. He thinks that he'll play better in games that mean something. Mm -hmm. And I liked how J.J. Redick smartly and subtly, basically without saying it, said... Are you sure he's that good? Because I played with him for a couple of years. And well, he didn't like, say that part. I mean, he said they picked Evan Fournier over right. him. So he kind of made his point. Yeah. Um, there's a couple times where where Simmons is trying to bait J.J. into an answer, and he didn't go for it. So no. good for you, Reddick. Right. Um, congratulations on your second child. Yeah. But he said everything that needed to be said without actually saying it. Uh, did you hear the uh, Billy King uh, Woj podcast? You know I did. Um so what? So which game was it? Was it '06 or '07 where we're at that Sixers game where Dwight dropped twenty twenty? It was twenty six and twenty eight. Yeah. Um. So we we go. <laughs> you got to gotta game. tell the story because you'll you'll know this better. So we go to the game. This is the closest I've ever sat. Yeah, we get, at the old arena. We get great seats in the lower bowl. This is the old arena. Uh, we're right there, I don't know, maybe six, seven rows up. We actually sit a row in front of Billy King, who at the time was the general manager of the, of the, of the 76ers. And he's sitting there, and he's got two young women on each side of him. Yes. Uh, younger. Yes. Attractive. Yes. Uh, possibly purchased. Possibly. Uh, so, maybe not. I'll, yeah. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And uh, without saying anything else, we'll just say this this game, I want to say, took place in April. It was towards the end of the regular season. This was Dwight's grown-up game. This was the game where I'm like, shit, this guy's going to be awesome. This is this is right before we're, we're heading in to be the eighth seed in the playoffs. We were in the playoff hunt trying to get into the playoffs. Philadelphia out. Okay, so... At the end of the game, we see a paper on the ground uh, behind our seats, and it just so happened that Billy King left, a, let's call it an unofficial ballot for uh, end-of-season awards for MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, etc. And uh, I can't believe that he had that job in Philadelphia for so long, and I can't believe that they hired him in Brooklyn after that, based on what I saw on the paper. Yeah, um, I, I can't remember who the exact vote. Like for the most part, I actually agreed for most of the things he picked. Uh, but you got to remember, there's like names like Nash and Nowitzki on there, which is fine. Right. I think he picked Nash for MVP. I could be wrong on that, but um, it, it's just interesting to see that he gets this. He did it on the halftime stat sheet too. He just wrote it down, and then I don't know why he didn't take it with him. Maybe he remembered he was going to vote for. I think it. his I don't hands know. were full. Yes, his hands were literally full on each side. Um, but uh, Billy King, I, I'm with you on that. Um, I, I got to spend uh, time in the media room at, at Amway Center um, while he was with Brooklyn at the time during just a conversation that I just got to listen in. And I'm as a, I'm a surprised as you that he, he was able to be a GM for as long as he was. But guy's a character. Yeah. He's got stories galore. Um, you know, On the Woj podcast, they were talking about Allen Iverson, who is the ultimate magic killer in team history yeah um you know i i throw around the the term magic killer maybe a little loosely sometimes i try not to refer it to guys who are great players like Dwayne wade or alan iverson but iverson literally kicked it up another notch against the magic yeah he's um, in a class of his own when I, it comes to kicking our ass and it's just interesting that they talk about how you know they beat the magic in in 99 in that first round series um that did two things one uh, it i guess made philly certain that Iverson was going to be good long term with them at the time, and they get to the NBA Finals next year. Two, the Magic are like, we got to blow it up, yeah. and they did and, blow it up. And three, it drove Chuck Daly into retirement yeah. super, super early, super early. And 
AI is just ridiculous. It's just some of the games that he has in Magic history, and you know, it, I'm I'm actually looking forward to his Hall of Fame speech um, as he's getting inducted, and I still can't wait to get to that Spring Hill, Springfield Hall of Fame uh, one day up in Massachusetts. So, uh, got a few more my, more minor topics. Do you know who Pretty Boy Fredo is? Uh, I don't, but I did see the video, his most recent video with. C.J. Watson. So he's an Orlando area guy. I think he went to UCF. Um, I guess he's big on social media now. Um, he does these prank videos on YouTube, but he's also more known for like just NBA 2K videos. Um, I guess he got C.J. Watson to get involved in a three-point shooting contest with him. Um, loser had to get their head shaved, and it's kind of an interesting video. Just that one, you actually get that access to be able to do that. I want to be in a three-point contest. I wouldn't want to shave this lovely piece of hair on no. me, but um, you got great hair. I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not bending my hair. I'll, I'll do other stuff and, and then shave <laughs> my hair. Um, but you know, the, the the deal was in the video that um, you know they would each take 25 three-pointers. No, only one rack. Not like six. No, there wasn't five racks, or you know, or, and they weren't going fast. This wasn't timed. So CJ had to double up the Pretty Boy Fredo score uh, to win, and CJ did do that. I think it was like fourteen to seven, and you know, seeing the the guy like cry as he's getting his his haircut, um, it's just very unique. And I would definitely cry if somebody shaved my head. Like literally, I would bawl like a baby. I so, know you would. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, September is right around the corner. This is the last season that the Magic are affiliated with the Erie Bayhawks in the D League. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with the franchise necessarily because you know it's it's not official yet, but Lakeland is going to be the home for the Magic uh, for the Magic's D League team here, you know, in in the Central Florida area. I don't know if the if Erie loses their team for good. I don't know if the BayHawks move and then Erie spawns a new team. I don't know how that's going to work. Um, they do have the affiliate relationship, but if you do want to try out for uh, for the BayHawks, mm-hmm. you can. If you have one hundred and fifty dollars, you can either go to Barnett Park over here in Orlando on September thirteenth, or actually no, sorry, you can go to Erie September thirteenth, Erie, Pennsylvania, or you can go to Barnett Park here in Orlando on September twentieth. Yeah. Um, if I gave you one hundred fifty bucks, would you actually try and try out for for the team? Because I suck ass, so I, uh, I would not do that. Yeah, if somebody paid, I guess I'd go check it out. But I have no illusions <laughs> that I would make a D League roster. Okay, I won't give you one hundred fifty bucks because right. I need it. Because I'm going to Vegas next weekend, well, yeah. and I'm going to lose a lot of money there. Probably, I'm going to try and put some Magic Sportsbook bets in. Okay, because I hate the, I hate uh, how underrated this team is right now. I hate all the hate, and I'm going to be stupid and reckless and waste money. In, in defense of the magic. That's the one thing about Pops is that he's willing to put his money where his mouth is. And a lot of times I end up putting my foot in my mouth. So, um, But that's just me. That's why some people love me. That's why some people hate me. Um, are you a 2K? Well, okay. When's the last time you bought an NBA 2K game? Because I'm going to tell you this. And again, you're yeah. going to hate me for it. Yeah. I've never bought a 2K game. I actually am one of the few people on earth, probably like 0.1% of people on earth that actually prefer NBA Live over NBA 2K. So first the beignet thing, and now this. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, this is going to drive people away from the podcast. I'm a live guy. I've always really? been a live guy. Wait. Yeah. Well, well, well I, thought, had, I thought you told me different. I've had one NBA 2K game. It was the one with Shaq on the cover. I want to say maybe 2K6, and I think that's become because it came with the upgraded game system. It was one of the included games. Okay. 
I just have a pre. I, I like EA Sports. It's a local yeah, company. It is. You got the Maitland headquarter office. Tiburon, yeah. You know, uh, I always liked live a little bit better. It just flows better for me. Like yeah. I play 2K yeah. and I watch it on t- on TV, and it just all looks clunky and like there's not. Like, the moves are all ugly, the shitty passing that occurs. Yeah. Um, I like life better. I just, I don't know. And I hope that we'll get to a point where that comes back and yeah. kicks ass again. So, you know, I can remember, like, NBA Live 2000 is my favorite because that had, like, an awesome soundtrack. You could get, like, Michael Jordan as, a as like, a legendary player. as like I think it was Player 99 back then. Yep. Um, but, you know, 2K17 is out. People is, is coming out here in, in September. Um I think that's September 20th if that comes out. People really care about their individual player rating. Yeah, and how they look, according yeah. to Evan Fournier. Um, poor Evan Fournier. If you look at magicbasketballonline.com, there's a piece out where um, he went through the Twitter ringer as far as his profile looked nothing like him. I think the, the best thing I've seen was um, he looks like every hipster barista on earth, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does not look like him at all. Um, and hopefully they'll fix that. They're supposed to fix that for him. And it's just interesting how the ratings work and how people freak out about it. It's the same thing with like Madden and NFL football players. It's it, it's interesting. I think he's rated a 78, 77, I think, around one of those two. And I don't know if that's great. I don't know if it's bad. Um, it's just interesting how, how motivated people are by video games. A um, couple more topics. So Basketball Without Borders is going to Angola for the first time. Uh, in Africa, last year Nikola Vucevic was in South Africa. Um, he did, you know, and it's. I think this is now the fifteenth uh, session that they're doing with bas- uh, in Africa basketball without borders. It's the sixteenth year, but they had to cancel one of the years. Um, I think it was due to the Ebola scare at the time. And you know, if we've seen if we've seen anything with both Biombo and Serge Ibaka, um, you know, two guys from the Congo, it's. Just how much they love giving, how much they they especially want to uplift their nations, uplift their continent in Africa, and this is really an awesome cause because there have been a couple of dozen NBA players that have come out of basketball without borders, and you know to see the NBA more than almost any other professional sport, maybe soccer tops it. Um, just go out to these places and even. Even the countries that may be fine, you know, financially, living-wise, but don't have, like, a big basketball background. Um, it's great that they go out there and just kind of not only just help them out basketball-wise, just, but just help out these younger people living-wise. I think Basketball Without Borders is one of the coolest things that the league is a part of, and I agree. It's, it's one of those things that the kids involved have a great time but also all the support staff and the people that run the camps and that are involved with the teaching and instruction, I would argue that they probably get even more out of it than the than the people in the country where the you know where the events happening. And then lastly, uh, Nikola Vucevic and Montenegro are playing in the uh, EuroBasket qualifiers for next year's 2017 EuroBasket tournament. Uh, that begins here at the last day of August and it goes a couple weeks into September. And it's great because. I've been watching a little bit of how he's done in the in the pre in the exhibition games, and Vucevic is the main option. He's the main scoring option. That wasn't the case the last time he was playing for for Montenegro, and um, I'm looking and they they should they should qualify for EuroBasket. Um, I think they played Georgia and Albania. That's off the top of my head, but um, they should get there, and it'll be cool to see Vuce represent 
his small nation uh, next season there. And, you know, I, I'm hoping this is also, you know, if he does well in this tournament, it's just a good lead-in for training camp and the preseason and the season. So that'll do it for the podcast. <laughs> Sorry we went over an hour, but uh, we really wanted to go deep into that Magic Top 25 list. And so you can follow us on Twitter at MagicNBO, uh, which is the site's story-only feed. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode. Uh, I can be found at Papa Giorgio MBO. Uh, we appreciate you listening to the podcast. Uh, please subscribe. Please rate us. It really helps. You can give us shitty reviews. As long as it's got five stars next to it, I don't care. Um, but you can find us anywhere on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher. If we're not on a platform that we should be on, please let us know. But until next time. We uh, welcome your beignet comments. <laughs> Thank you.